Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 90, and today I wanted to talk about toddler eating skills. This topic comes up a lot in early intervention because feeding or eating skills are a common issue for a lot of infants and toddlers, and can be even more common with kids who have known special needs. One of the things that comes up a lot with this age group is also the issue of teething. I haven't addressed this topic that much before, so I wanted to make sure and include it in this show today. Before I get to that, I wanted to mention a few things. I could really, really use your support. If you like the show and you feel like you get something out of it, please support me through Amazon. I know you're at home or starting to get back out and work and need some new supplies. It's so easy to do. Just go to my website and click on the Amazon link. It will take you to Amazon where you can do all of your normal shopping and it won't cost you anything extra. You won't even know that anything even happened. But it will give me a small kickback and truly I think it's something like 5% of the total purchase. I don't make a lot of money from this, but it is something, and it is enough to help motivate me to continue making more episodes for you. I think last month, for example, I had one or two people use my Amazon links, and I do want to thank you if you were one of those people that used those links to buy things on Amazon, but even with that, it only added up to probably $30 for the whole month, which I'm not complaining about at all. I'm so happy to have the support but it is also not quite enough to allow me to do more shows more frequently, which I would really love to do. Right now, I have only been able to do about one per month, but I would love to be able to to get back to doing more like once a week or at least two every month if I could do this. Simply go to mymidwesttherapy.com, click on the Amazon button, and do your normal shopping. I know you're out there listening, Please don't think you don't need to help out because everyone else is already doing it because that's just not the case. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything extra to do it. Please just do it. It will help motivate me to find a way to get more episodes out to you guys. In working with infants and toddlers in early intervention, the topic of feeding and eating skills comes up all the time. It is a regular concern for a lot of families And even when it's not a concern, we often talk about it in some capacity or another. Another topic that goes along with eating is the topic of teething. A lot of times these topics are discussed somewhat separately from each other, but we have to remember that they are connected. Obviously, it helps to have teeth when we eat certain types of foods, especially once we start eating solid foods more than purees and soft solids. But also, obviously, infants and toddlers often start eating foods before they have teeth. There is a natural progression that happens or supposed to happen with the process of transitioning to baby foods, soft solids, solid foods, etc. While at the same time, teeth begin to come in more and more during this process. There are some babies that do not bring toys to their mouth or their hands to their mouth for exploration during the first few months of life. Then, when this continues on past the first few months, they end up not being able to make that connection between the hand and mouth, and this connection is so important for self-feeding purposes. 
One big reason why babies don't bring their hand to their mouth for, for expiration is because of sensory processing issues, usually either oral or tactile sensitivities or oral low awareness. Beyond sensory issues, other reasons might be things like physical impairment, cognitive delay, or muscle tone issues, among others. The reasons why aren't necessarily my focus today, though. The point is that this connection is not being made, which can lead to additional feeding and eating difficulties as the baby grows. This brings me to my point of teething and feeding. Now, according to a preliminary project by a team of researchers out of the Dentistry and Engineering and Information Technologies in Sydney, Australia, they developed a 3D model based on the CT scan images of an eight-year-old child's lower jaw. Then using their software, according to Dr. Babak Sarafpour, they, quote, simulated both the back teeth and front teeth chewing and could assess the stress on the teeth, bone, and soft tissue, end quote. From this information, they found that these biting actions appear to affect the soft tissues around the teeth that are still underneath and stimulate sensors to help the teeth emerge. This is a research project, but doesn't seem to be a complete research study. I don't see anywhere that it has been published or anything like that, but I thought the information was worth talking about and keeping an eye out to see if a full study might come out sometime in the future. I've worked with a lot of kiddos over the years that go through teething for a lot of months before they finally get their first tooth to push through. And at that point, it might be considered late for their teeth to start coming in, depending on how many months it takes, how many months they are when it happens. According to an article titled Tooth Eruption and Teething in Children from the Pharmaceutical Journal, the first baby or primary tooth tends to erupt around 6 to 10 months of age. The average month is 7 months. Well, in thinking about it, many of those kiddos are ones that might have gone through the teething process, but for them, what it meant was they drooled a lot, they seemed fussy or whiny, like they might be in pain or uncomfortable, and we just figure it must be because they're their teeth are trying to come in because everything else seems fine. But those kiddos specifically are ones that don't bring things to their mouth for exploration, and they never did. They are missing this piece of the teething puzzle that includes pressure on the gums, which can be helpful in relieving some of the pain. This is the time where kids are usually biting on anything and everything they can get into their mouth to try and help ease that pain. In addition to the biting and the chewing, they usually drool excessively and can be fussy. So without this biting pressure on their gums, it seems they are not only not providing pain relief to their own mouth, but they are also not stimulating the teeth to push up and push through the gum tissue. This may be why we see these kids getting teeth in so late. That being said, I know, obviously, there are other reasons why kids get teeth late or later than expected, but I wanted to point this out as a possible reason for some of the kids we work with who avoid 
bringing things to their mouth. Going along with that is often these same kids tend to be ones that do not chew food well or at all. We will typically see infants starting on purees and maybe soft solid foods who look like they're chewing the food even though the food they're eating really doesn't need to be chewed before swallowing it. But they have that chewing motion going on and they learn this pattern for eating before they really need it to be able to chew the more solid type foods eventually. This happens often before kids are old enough to have teeth or before they have any of their side or back teeth where we usually do our chewing. So once they have back teeth, they're able to use them for chewing without really thinking about it. But for these kiddos who don't bring things to their mouth for exploration early on and then don't make these chewing motions when they start eating purees and soft solids later either. This is not a hard and fast rule, of course, but is a pattern that I have noticed frequently happens. This can make progressing from purees and soft solids through the textures to solid table foods more difficult. For one, because they are having trouble learning to chew, and for two, because their teeth are delayed in coming in, so they don't have the physical structures in place needed to chew these more solid foods. Learning to feed themselves can be delayed as well because we now have to teach them to make this connection between their hand and mouth, a connection that didn't naturally happen with them during early development for whatever the reason. We will need to teach them how to bring their hand to their mouth with food on them or while holding um, food items or even like using a tool like a nook brush or a spoon or any other feeding utensil to bring food or flavors to their mouth for eating can take a lot of repetition with these kids. This might seem obvious, but it does get overlooked as a strategy. Simply putting a mirror in front of the child while they are working on these things can really help them. It can give them a concrete visual of what is happening on and around their face. The only time they get to see what their face and mouth looks like is when they're looking at their reflection. Not only does it let them see what their face and mouth are doing, but it helps with the fine motor aspect of bringing their hand to their mouth with the food or the utensil and being more accurate with getting it to their mouth. Then once the food gets, hopefully, into the mouth, they can watch how their mouth is moving, how their tongue is moving, and literally just see what they are doing. This is really not much different than the invisible gestures that we look at as a cognitive developmental skill around the seven to nine month age range. When we're looking for things like imitating someone else winking or making fish lips or sticking out their tongue or any other type of facial expression, these are considered invisible because they cannot see themselves doing these actions or gestures unless they are looking at their reflection. Giving these kids a mirror helps take the invisible out of the equation. Whether they have cognitive delays or not, it doesn't really matter. Just try it. Watch their face light up and watch them become even more expressive just in the excitement of seeing themselves. It can be extremely effective for a lot of kids. I use this strategy a lot for as many of my feeding therapy sessions as possible. If there isn't a mirror that you can place in front of them, 
you can use a tablet or iPad or something with a camera on it. They can watch themselves on the screen with the camera app open. You can do this with the phone, but I do prefer using a larger screen if possible so they can see themselves better. Funny thing is, a lot of kids will get a kick out of seeing their parent in the reflection with them, and this may be even more motivation for them to do to imitate what their parent is doing, whether it's making faces or tasting food. Another strategy for making this hand-to-mouth connection involves food play. I will get into this topic more in the next podcast where I will talk about strategies for food play therapy. I will say now, though, that for kids who do not have this hand-to-mouth connection, sometimes food play is just another type of play to them. Sometimes this involves getting very creative with those kids and how we present the food play activities so they will get the idea that these things can and should hopefully go in their mouth. We aren't just getting our hands messy for no reason other than just to get messy. There's a lot more that goes into it. Other strategies for making the the connection and um, talking about biting now specifically is teaching the child how to bite down using their gums or their teeth if they have them. You can do this by using starting out um, with facial massage, literally massaging the muscles on their face, um, their cheeks, their mouth area, their lips to get them to kind of wake up especially if they are not sensitive to this kind of touch. Using items like a Z-Vibe or just a kid's uh, spin brush or vibrating toothbrush can, some, can work to stimulate these areas on their face and hopefully eventually making it onto their lips and then into their mouth for more stimulation there. Um, dipping the, the vibrating toothbrush in cold water can add an additional layer of stimulation to the process. If the child is resistant to the parent touching their face, strategies need to focus more on desensitizing this area instead of stimulating. Sometimes the best ways to do this are to let the child have control over the toothbrush or whatever the oral motor items are that you're working with. Probably also using the mirror with this would be a good idea. You can have the parent model the actions they want them to do, showing them with their own toothbrush, too. Besides a toothbrush or a Z-Vibe, you can use chewy tubes, blue chewy tubing, um, baby safe feeders, which are the mesh bags with the handles that you can put food or ice or something in, bite sticks, or even just chewy foods like beef jerky or something that might have a strong flavor but is difficult to bite pieces off of. Instead of dipping in just plain ice water, you can also dip it in ice water with some drops of lemon juice or pickle juice or just straight pickle juice or something um, sour or spicy or any other bold flavor. These are especially true for those kids who have more of the decreased awareness of the mouth area and they need that extra stimulation to help wake everything up there. Kids who are sensitive may or may not like these high sensory strategies. For the chewies and the biting strategies, working on placing the tools in their mouth into either side of the mouth to encourage biting down on them. You may need to press downward with the chewy item 
on their teeth or gums to attempt to stimulate the upward motion with their lower jaw to help it close down on the item. You may need to place one hand under their jaw or chin to help encourage them or show them that you want them to close their lower jaw to bite on it. Some of those items are hollow, like the chewy tubes and the blue tubing, <clears throat> and you can place pureed foods inside of them and freeze them ahead of time. So when they go to bite down on, on the chewy, the food might come out and give them an extra boost of flavor for stimulation. <clears throat> and it can almost act as a bit of a reinforcer for actually doing the biting and may encourage them to repeat the action more easily next time in hopes of getting that flavor boost again. One final thing to consider is that some kids may actually have the ability to bring things to their mouth, but they avoid it because they are prone to gagging easily. If that is the case, they will quickly learn to try and protect themselves by not bringing many things to their mouth for one or anything to their mouth, and especially um, things that are new foods or new textures because they can't be sure which ones will make them gag. But also, if they bring things to their mouth, they will often only bring it to the front of their lips and mouth area rather than to the sides and the back. They may not completely understand it, but they have figured out enough to know that they are more likely to gag if the food or the item hits the back of their tongue or the back of their mouth. They can become overly protective and tend to err on the side of caution, which can continue to lead to more and more food refusals. They kind of learn to stick with what you know is safe, and you are less likely to feel that gagging feeling, which can lead to throwing up in extreme cases. In these situations, those food mesh bags can be really helpful because they, the child can experience the flavors and practice chewing on the foods in the bag, but they don't have to worry about gagging or choking as easily on it because the food is controlled safely in that bag rather than floating all around their mouth and potentially unexpectedly hitting their gag reflex. If you check the show notes for this episode, I will have links to the oral motor items that I discussed today. They are ones that I tend to use the most for feeding therapy. Head on over to my website, mymidwesttherapy.com, to see these links. And while, while you're there, you might as well purchase some of the CEUs and get those done too. I'm guessing you may have some extra time on your hands right now to get some CEUs under your belt for the next cycle. It's super easy to get them, and the tests are quick and easy, too. You're already listening to the show, so you might as well get credit for it. If you don't need CEUs, just click on that orange oval that says Become a Patron and support me on Patreon with a small con contribution to the show. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. <laughs>